Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. Well, hey, good morning, Northridge family. It's so good to see you guys here today. Let me tell you, it is doing my heart good to look out and see that we are squeezed in. How many of you, okay, are a little bit inconvenienced because you had to give up your in seat? Okay, anybody? Okay, yeah, we're praising God for that right now. Okay, over the next few weeks, uh, as we're growing in this season, we're gonna be asking you to scoot towards the center, make a little bit of room, but I do wanna let you know, okay, at the 9.30 service, we do all the same things, okay? And we've got plenty of seats in that service. So if you want to get up a little bit earlier, beat the Baptist and Methodist to lunch, uh, get here at 930 and we will spend some time together there and you might can even have an end seat. All right. Hey, listen, we are in a relentless, unapologetic push to sign as many people up for community groups as possible. You know why we're doing that? Because community groups are absolutely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, the best part of Northridge Christian Church. Okay, this is where you will meet Jesus. This is where you will experience life change. This is an environment you need to prioritize so that you can grow closer to Jesus. So if you wanna sign up, just scan the QR code in the seat pocket in front of you or fill out the card that's in your seat. Take it to one of the group stations on your way out. But can I talk to the people that are already in a community group for just a minute? Okay, I have the list memorized, so I know who you are, okay? Looking around the room, lock eyes with me, okay? Some of these jokers sitting next to you, they're not gonna sign up without a personal invitation. Okay, they are a stubborn group of people. And so they need you to reach out and invite them to come be a part of your group so that they will take that step of faith. Here's how you do it, okay? We're all gonna learn this together. You walk up and you say, hi, my name is so-and-so. Okay, you can do that, right? Try it. Hi, my name is so-and-so. Very good. You guys follow directions really well. Okay, the next question is, do you have a pulse, okay? If they say no, our medical team sits right back here in the back, but if they say yes, then I want you to look at them and say, then you are pre-approved for the opportunity of a lifetime. We want to invite you to come to this place at this time, bring donuts, and everybody will love you, okay? That's how we're going to fill up our groups, okay? We're going to make that happen. Hey, in addition to groups, we've also been talking all month long about going all in with Jesus, you see, we read a, a verse, Second Chronicles 16, 9, that says that God is actively searching the world. And as he looks out on the world, he is looking to identify and strengthen people that are sold out, all in, fully committed followers of him. And throughout this series, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm in. I want to be that one. I want to be that group of people. I want us to stand out and be strengthened and used by God to accomplish amazing things in this world. Listen, if that describes you, I want you to look at the person next to you and say, I'm all in. Okay, look, here's the problem, okay? Full room, okay? And I tell you to tell somebody next to you, you're all in with Jesus, and you just did this. I'm all in. They don't believe you and I don't believe you. I don't think God believes you if that's the attitude you bring into it. On the count of three, I want you to tell the other person sitting on the other side of you, I'm all in. Count of three, one, two, three, I'm all in. 
Perfect, perfect. All right. Listen, go ahead and open your Bibles or your Bible apps to Matthew chapter 14. While you're flipping there, let me, let me ask this. How many of you that are married are married to somebody that is the polar opposite of you in some pretty substantial ways? Anybody? Okay, yeah, that's not a surprise at all. Okay, opposites attract. This is just the way the world works. Okay, one of you is an extrovert. Okay, you've already made plans for every night over the next 14 days. One of you is an introvert. You just kind of want to stay home. One of you is a saver. One of you is a spender. One of you likes it hot. One of you likes it cold. The list goes on and on. Let me tell you how differently my wife and I are wired. Okay, we found this out when we started comparing notes of our our kindergarten performances, okay? And I realized we are complete polar opposites. You see, I was picked in my kindergarten performance to be uh, the ringmaster in the circus, okay? The reason I was picked to be the ringmaster um, is, is just simply because I follow instructions really, really well. There's a lot of instructions that a ringmaster has to know. And I, I had to summon the lions, I had to bring out the monkeys. I mean, it was just constantly doing stuff. And I, I was on top of it, I knew my assignment, and I managed it well. My wife, on the other hand, was one of the three bears in the first scene of Goldilocks, okay? Now, why was she only in the first scene? Well, apparently Baby Bear couldn't follow instructions and she had to be dragged off stage by her teacher in the middle of the performance. Okay, I saw the video. She was talking, she was cutting up, and she was begging to be called out. Why am I telling you this? Well, because generally when we think about being called out, it's an experience like that. It's something that's, that's negative. It's, it's something that involves punishment or consequences or embarrassment. See, we often think about being called out for something like speeding, okay? Many of us have been there before. Or we get called out for being disrespectful or maybe for, for missing a deadline at work. But the story we're gonna look at today, it, it talks about being called out in a different way. In this story, Peter, just like my wife, was literally begging to be called out by Jesus. But in that moment when he gets called out by Jesus, it's a good thing that leads to a powerful experience. And today we're gonna look at what Peter did right, we're gonna look at what Peter did wrong, and through all of it, we're gonna learn the ingredients that it's gonna take for you and I to experience an all-in life-changing daily encounter with Jesus. All right, the story begins in Matthew chapter 14, verses 23 through 24. Jesus has just sent his disciples out on a boat without him. Okay, they're out there all by himself, and this is what happens. Matthew chapter 14, verses 23 through 24. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. All right, now listen, the introduction to this story, it reveals these two simultaneous scenes, okay? Two things that are happening at the same time, but that could not be more different. See, the first one, it shows Jesus, and he goes up on a mountainside to pray. It talks about Jesus being in the calm serenity of night where he's able to spend some one-on-one time with God. The second scene is completely different. It's of the disciples that are in a boat and, and, and they're fighting against the wind and the waves to keep their boat upright. So a few years ago, I, I went on a work trip to California. 
okay? And, and my wife um, happened to come down with a stomach bug and so did all three of our kids about the time I got on the airplane, okay? Whew, dodged a bullet, right? And I get all the way there and I want my wife to experience some of the good things that I'm able to see, so I took a picture of the beach and I sent it to her, okay? It did not go over very well at all. She did not respond like I thought she would. Like, she wasn't upset that I was gone, and she wasn't upset that I got to put my toes in the sand, but she was a little bothered by the contrast in our lives at that particular moment. Listen, I bet on some level that's probably how the disciples feel right now. I mean, like, they're in this really, really difficult, bad situation, and if there was ever a moment where the physical presence of Jesus would make a difference in their life, this was it but it just kind of feels like Jesus has left them to fend for themselves all night long. Let me ask you something. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you're in the middle of a storm or the middle of a problem and, and Jesus is miles away, leaving you to fend for yourself? Listen, if that ever describes your experience with Jesus, and I want you to lean into this story because the disciples are about to learn a powerful lesson that no matter how they feel about the presence of Jesus, he is never out of sight or mind. He is always thinking about them. He is always aware of what's going on in their life and he's willing to walk out on water to help them. You see, from his vantage point, Jesus can see out on the lake and there's a full moon so he can see the disciples have been beat up and knocked around and so he decides the time is right to walk out on the water and help them through this experience. This is what it says, verses 25 through 27. It says, shortly before dawn, okay, which means this has been going on all night long, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Listen, the disciples had been longing for the physical presence of Jesus, but they don't recognize him when he gets there. That's not surprising, is it? I mean, how could they guess that this was Jesus? He's never shown them this trick before. I mean, what would you have thought in this situation as, as there's this human figure that's standing out in the middle of the water emerging from the wind and the waves? Would you have immediately thought, that's my buddy Jesus, or ah, help me, there's a ghost? Jesus speaks out to them and he, he, says, he says, don't be afraid. Why? Because they are afraid. They're physically and they're mentally exhausted. They're overwhelmed by their circumstances. And now in this moment, in the presence of what appears to be a ghost, they are paralyzed by fear. Listen, here's the really cool thing about that. Oftentimes, fear precedes change. You see, over and over and over again in the Bible, fear is the precursor to an experience that leads to a level up. You see, if you're in the middle of a storm right now, if, if the problems just keep piling up, if you're overwhelmed by your circumstances, if you're waiting on what's coming around the corner with fear and anxiety, then I just want you to understand that God has you right where he wants you so that he can propel you into something you could never experience without fear as the backdrop. Let's keep reading what happens in verses 28 through 29. 
He says, Lord, if it's you, okay? Another translation of this might be, since it's you. Lord, since it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. Let me tell you something about Peter in case you're not really familiar with his character in the Bible. Peter is often impetuous. Sometimes he's arrogant, and this last thing is why I connect with him so well. Sometimes he's quick to speak before he thinks. But the bottom line is this. Aside from Jesus, Peter holds the world water-walking record because nobody else has ever done it. Nobody else got out of the boat, and nobody else even asked. You see, Jesus isn't insulted by this request. Jesus isn't intimidated by this request. He just simply says, come on, Peter, bring it on. Come out onto the water and be where I am. Listen, the first ingredient that you and I need to understand that allows us to have an all-in, life-changing daily encounter with Jesus is this, bold requests. Bold requests, just like the one Peter made, call me out to be on the water where you are. If we want to experience something amazing, if we want to collide with the impossible, then we've got to boldly ask Jesus to call us out of the boat. Call us out of our complacency. Call us out of our rut. Call us out of our sin. Call us out of our generational curses. Call us out of our self-doubt. Call us out of our pity. Call us out of our comfort zones. Listen, you fill in the blank for whatever it is for you, but we've got to look towards heaven and say, Jesus, take away anything that's holding me back from being where you are. That's where I want to be. Listen, my son learned a lesson this summer in a really powerful way. We were at the beach, and he's six years old, and he learned that if he goes up to somebody that has a dog and says, can I pet your dog, nine times out of ten, they're going to say yes, okay? The one out of 10 that tries to avoid him, he just chased him down the beach and and he was able to pet their dog anyway. But see, he learned in that moment, he could pet 400 dogs on a week-long vacation. Every dog on Amelia Island got pet by my son. But let me tell you something, my six-year-old understands a simple truth that would transform many of our spiritual lives. Sometimes, all it takes is an ask. Sometimes, all it takes is an ask. The only prayer that insults God is the one we never speak. If we want to see God move, if we want to see him take bold action in our world today, it's going to require bold, walk-on-water type prayers from you and me, his followers that are willing to say, I want to be where you are. I want to experience the impossible. I want you to do something in and through me. I want you to increase my faith so that this community will be changed. I want you to give me an assignment. I want you to call me out so that my school campus will be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. I want to see you do the impossible through me. What are you boldly asking God for today? And if God says yes, Is it a big enough thing that it will change the world tomorrow? The first ingredient of an all-in experience with Jesus is bold requests. Let's chase down the second one. Okay, verse 30. This tells us what happens in the story after Peter plants his feet on the water. This is what it says. It says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Listen, Peter had passion. 
Peter had an unmatched courage. Nobody else followed him out on the water. Peter asked bold requests, and because of the power of God on his life, he was walking in the realm of the impossible. But when the wind and the waves grabbed his attention, he took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink. Listen, here's the second ingredient that we've got to understand and embrace so that we can have an all-in, life-changing, daily encounter with Jesus. It's fierce focus. We've got to have fierce focus. We're not talking about keeping one eye on Jesus while we keep one eye on the world. Okay, we're not talking about coming to church two or three times a week depending on the weather. We're not talking about praying if and only when something happens that is completely out of our control. So what we're talking about is living our lives in a way that is completely and entirely defined by a fierce, hungry, unwavering gaze into the eyes of Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible tells us that that our assignment is to pray without ceasing. Okay, Jesus tells us that it's our responsibility to, to take our request to God over and over and over again until something happens. Why is this so important? It's not because 35 or 485 might be the number of times we have to make the request before God hears us and does something. No, it's important because God works through the sustained focus of his people. By taking our request to God, day after day after day, hour after hour after hour, we are reminding ourselves of the need to lock eyes with the only one who reigns in the realm of the impossible. We're focused on him. So I read a study this week And it talked about the average number of times a person who uses a cell phone touches their cell phone. Okay, let me ask you, thumbs up or thumbs down? How many of you think it's higher than 1,000? Okay, put your thumb up. If you think it's lower, put your thumb down, okay? All right, most of you are saying higher than that. What about 1,500, okay? You think it's higher or lower than 1,500, okay? Keep going, all right? What about 2,000, okay? Any of you think it's higher than 2,000, okay? Lower, you were in the last service, you cheated, okay? Here's the answer. The answer is 2,617 times every day that the average person touches their cell phone. 2,617. Isn't that crazy? The study actually revealed that the top 10% of cell phone users, okay, the people who used it the most, touched their phone over 5,400 times in one day. Would you say that we are an easily distracted generation or not? I mean, like, like cell phones don't create the problem, okay? That's important to realize. Cell phones did not invent distraction, but it did reveal a problem that has always been there from the beginning. We as a society, we as a culture, we as a generation, we lack focus. We are easily distracted. And while that impacts countless areas of our life, there is no area with a greater impact than on our relationship with Jesus. Because get this, get this, clap at this. If Satan can distract us, he can destroy us. If Satan can distract us, he can destroy us. We've got to be fierce about focusing on Jesus. How do we do that? Let me, let me share a few ways that, that you might pick this up this week and begin to focus in a more fierce way on Jesus. Maybe in the morning when your alarm clock goes off, Instead of reaching over and grabbing your phone and, and checking the baseball score or, or checking social media or, or even the weather, maybe you just take two minutes 
And you say, I'm going to spend a little bit of time focusing on Jesus, and I'm going to invite him into my attitude and my plans for the day. I'm just going to spend some time saying, listen, God, this is what I have going on today, and I want you to be present in my life in these areas. Maybe before we go to bed, um, instead of letting Netflix be the last thing we see, maybe we just take another two minutes and and we say, I'm going to open the Bible app. And I'm going to read the verse of the day because I don't want to let my mind rest until I let Jesus say one more thing, speak life into me. Maybe when the weight of of responsibility is heavy on your heart, maybe you just take a moment to go get alone and, and you just remind yourself that this life, like your job, your assignment on earth is to just simply partner with God in all the things that he's prepared in advance for you to do. Nothing more and nothing less. Maybe when problems threaten your peace, maybe you just simply remember that we serve a God who can and will walk on water to be with his people in their time of need. Listen, an all-in Christian is a focused Christian. And a focused Christian gets to experience things that many other people will never be able to experience. Listen, there's one more ingredient that this story promotes that will help us level up in our all-in commitment to Jesus. It's one that John hinted at earlier. It's found in verse 31. It says, immediately, okay? Soon as Peter called out to Jesus, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he called him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Listen, this whole experience for Peter seems to be a bust on the surface. Like the first time you read this, you think that his failure defines the entire experience, but there's so much more to it than that. You see, this is one of the encounters that that Jesus uses to propel Peter into being the person that God would use to build his church and even write part of the New Testament. This is where Peter develops the boldness and the courage to, to preach the gospel to a group of people that just crucified Jesus. We're going to talk about that story in a few weeks. This is where Peter finds out that Jesus loves him enough to pull him out of the mess that was created by his own lack of faith. And this is where you and I learn that in order to experience an all-in, life-changing, daily encounter with Jesus, it's going to require redeemed failure. Redeemed failure. It's through earnest failure that we encounter the love of Jesus. It's through the love of Jesus that we reach our fullest potential. Here's what that means for us today. Maybe there's some of you that are in this room that are saying, you know what, I have messed up so bad. I have done so many things wrong. I have fallen short. I have abandoned my faith and I have lived my life completely separated from God. And maybe in this moment, you're you're convicted by that, but you say, God could never redeem me of that. God could never use me in the midst of that being in my past. Here's what I want you to hear, loud and clear. Faith, I'm sorry, fear is not fatal. I'm sorry. Failure is not fatal. That's what I want you to hear. Failure is not fatal. It is not forever. Failure is the beginning of God's victory through you. Maybe you're holding back and you're saying, I I don't know that I wanna go all in with Jesus because I'm probably gonna mess it up anyway. I don't know what to say. I'm probably gonna stumble my way through talking to people. I'm probably gonna slip up and fall again and again and again. Here's what I want you to hear. Jesus loves you enough to pull you out of the mess of your own shortcomings. 
let me hear, let you hear this, okay? This is what I say to myself on a very regular basis so that I can continue to serve God. His plan factors in my stupidity, okay? Over and over again, God has proven that to be true. His plan factors in my own stupidity. Perfection is not the standard of an all-in Christian. What God is looking for right now in this room, in this place, is people that will say, I'm gonna make some bold requests. Okay, I'm gonna have fierce focus in the way I live my life. And then I'm gonna allow Jesus to redeem me when I fail. The story ends with two verses, verses 32 through 33. It says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Listen, this is the very first time that the disciples used that entire phrase to reference Jesus. You see, there was something that happened even though Peter went out on the water all by himself. He climbed back in the boat and his faith, his all-in attitude started a chain reaction that impacted the lives of other people. Here's what I'm praying for. This is the deepest desire of my heart in this moment. I want somebody in this room to say I'm all in. And I want that one decision or that 20 decisions or that 100 decisions to start a chain reaction in this church, in this community, and in this world. I want it to spread like wildfire. I want it to be contagious. And I want this world to be transformed by the power of God through our obedience and our willingness to say that I am all in. Listen, our sermon in a sentence today, it's really simple, but it's a prayer. It's something that we're gonna say together now, but it's something that I want us to be thinking about and praying all week long. It's simply this, call us out upon the water. Jesus, call us out upon the water. Let us be where you are. Let us experience the impossible through your power and grace. Jesus, even if I go alone, even if nobody else comes with me, give me the strength and the boldness to follow you out onto the water and to experience all the things that you have in store for me. Y'all stand up. Over the next couple moments, we're going to sing a song, and uh, this song ties in perfectly. We're going to sing the words of this story together. The altar is going to be open over here on the sides where you can fall on your face and you can pray and you can say, God, let what we're talking about in here become contagious in the world out there. You'd be praying for the people that are sitting right here in these seats that they would make a bold decision to go all in with Jesus. We're also going to have people available on the side. You can follow the light. They'll be there to pray with you and spend time with you. Talk about anything specific that's going on in your life. Listen, we're going to sing this song, and I want you to sing with all your heart as a prayer, asking God to call you out onto the water so that you can be where he wants you to be and do the things that he wants you to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we are surrendered. In this moment, we bow our hearts prepared for what you're going to do next. God, we anticipate that you're going to show up, that you're going to move with power, that you're going to use us to accomplish amazing things. God, whatever your plan is, whatever it is that you want us to do, wherever it is that you want us to go, God, I pray that you'll do it right here and right now because we are willing to be used by you. God, we are all in. We want to see you move. Show up in this place and then allow your presence to spread in this community in a way that will shake the grounds of this place where we live. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.